Hey, this is Chuck, and you are listening to Fans with Bands, the podcast where we talk to the fans and the bands they dig about life, music, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Today on Fans with Bands, we are talking to Distilled Tongues. Check it out. Oh, how do you like that sound? I heard her talk to me. Yeah, it was intense. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is uh, Chuck with Fans with Bands, and I am talking to Sean, Jeremy, and Mike of Distilled Tongues, as well as their fans, Chris and Zach. How's everybody doing? Great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. So, you know, I was like, uh, as soon as I listened to your album, that the EP, the the self-titled EP, I was instantly in love with your music. I I seriously couldn't stop listening. I was like, how the fuck do I actually, because I felt a little bit like, this is like a super awesome band. And then they're dudes I kind of know. And I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking crazy. It's cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, instead of me like rattling on about how much I love the album, I kind of want to f- get the story behind some of your fans and figure out like, how did you become fans of, dis- of distilled tongues? And, uh, let's start with Zach. Yeah, for sure. Um, so love you guys out there and thanks Chuck. Thanks Chuck for having throw up, for, uh, throwing this little shindig, very nice. Um, one thing I really wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, I, I saw one of the last shows of the uh, of the previous band that uh, that uh, most of the crew was involved with, and I just wanted to know, like, what what was the vision? Like, what was the vision and kind of transitioning from like a like a more folky, um, you know less metally hard rock vibe to the current vibe that you guys have gone with, with distilled tongues. Cause it, it really is a big, a big transition for sure. You know, John, you want to take that? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, we were, we were in a band <clears throat> with our buddy, Matt, and he's got a, and he was kind of, uh, he was the one that kind of started the band. It was his thing. Cause me and him were in a band before that one, which was, an alternative country band and uh i was writing all the music for that one and you know singing and then we had a a member in that band that kind of was a problem with alcohol and we kind of had to had to kind of just move on and start something else and i started playing bass and matt started writing the music in that one and he wanted to sing and then i sang some on that one but um, he kind of, it was kind of out of his element cause we ended up having a, uh, another guitar player in that band before Mike, which Mike was playing guitar and when the band's mom, Barley, I'm wearing the shirt right now. By chance. <laughs> You're so shit. Yeah. You're and, uh, he, he was an older fella in his fifties who ripped it. And, uh, he, he wanted to leave because he was already in a bunch of other bands and uh which was fine so we got mike in there and mike didn't really even want to join another band but because mike mike's in pickaxe preacher as well right now even and uh so we got mike in and mike was all down for doing something that wasn't like thrash metal for once and (laughs) (laughs) 
it was something he got to open his horizons a little bit more because you know mike's very well rounded on on guitar and it's kind of just doing the thrash thing so we got mike to play and then me and mike were both into harder music and then we started trying to like slowly make some harder songs in the mom barley thing and get out of like the folk and matt wasn't really comfortable with it so you know it, it eventually came came to a to an end there because i think me and mike just wanted to go into a different direction and so that's how we started this one cool that that's a great question because i was actually wondering how the how the hell this formed um so that's cool <laughs> Well, yeah, we had another drummer before Jeremy too, because that guy uh, was on the lat. The, the new drummer for Mom Barley was kind of uh, came in on the last couple months that the band was together, and we actually started writing um, some harder songs with him and without Matt. And he ended up getting a job at DTE, and he had to leave, so. We're just like well shit we're starting a new band we had a drummer and now we got to start all over again with a new guy and we me and mike ended up writing uh two of the songs on the album which was uh living like you're dying and drawing shapes without a drummer and we ended up putting a, a post out on facebook asking if anybody was interested in playing drums for us and jeremy responded in like five minutes he's like he just said i'm in <laughs> so so we sent him uh living like you're dying and he was like yep yep i'm in we're gonna play some music awesome. so that's how we got jeremy that's pretty much exactly how it happened <laughs> so so you guys did i mean did you know each other i mean obviously Jer sean and yeah Mike. yeah i mean i but yeah we've yeah, always played yeah, games yeah. jeremy's jeremy was in a lot of like bigger local acts uh because jeremy plays guitar and sings in most of the bands he's been in uh which he's actually got another band right now. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, Jeremy, because they put it and Chris is in that band. Chris, uh, that's on the, the chat oh. here. They're right. in a band right now and it's uh, an extremely good band. I feel like uh, Jeremy should talk about that. Yeah, I just play. I mean, I've been playing with the other guys for a really long time. And uh, no, it, it happened exactly how you said, though. It really did. <laughs> like you just reached out. I seen it and I've, I used to work with Mike and I knew Mike and I've seen Mike play a lot. And I was like, damn, he's really good. Yeah. And then I, you know, I gigged with Sean forever and Sean is a fantastic front man. Yeah. And I was like, as soon as I seen the post, I was like, there's, there's no way I can't do this. <laughs> like I, I got some free time to play some drums. Like this is right up my alley. And the, as soon as they sent me that demo, I was like, wow. Okay. Cool. And like we had this like little Southern rock feel and I was just about it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's that's definitely the song. But cosmic is just that's like my own. Just what I what I write with the homies that I've had forever. Cool. Like they're what's the name of the band? We we basically learned our instruments together. So it's like we played together for a long time. And, and the name of the band is Cosmic. Cosmic Sands. Cosmic Sands. All right. Cool. Kind of like kind of like the font Comic Sands, but Cosmic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. And Chris and Chris plays drums in that band. Yeah. Yeah. Chris is a phenomenal. Cool. So, 
So Chris, I'm guessing that's how you got to know these guys and, and got ensconced with uh, being a fan of well, Chris, yeah. Distilled Tongues. Jeremy and I are roommates. He's actually. My I've known Jeremy for 22 years. Uh, <laughs> we're best friends. Awesome. And yeah. yeah, they jam every Thursday in the basement. I don't get to catch him very often, but uh, I mean, I was hooked right away. For being a three-piece, monster sound. Like, huge. Like, you guys just played that show at the bar. And it was so cool just because like, it's cool that I know you guys, but just to see like everybody's reaction at the bar, just, you know, obviously everyone's drinking a little bit and whatnot, but just everyone just totally into it. And I'm like, I'm totally into it. And it's super cool that everyone around is totally into it as well. So it's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And also Chris, Chris, uh, when he does make it over there, he makes sure he jumps on the guitar. He guy knows probably like a hundred covers. <laughs> I run these drums, so we kind of do the swap. And then when you know, whenever practice is done, I on drums. We just play fucking cover songs. Just I got big balls. For, yeah. got big balls. <laughs> you know, what fear have to do the shit we have to do. We do what we want to scream about balls. <laughs> lord (laughs) so uh you know the the album you know i I can't tell you guys and i want to tell everybody i see like how much i love the music i I will mike i will um there's you know i i think i mentioned it a couple times in a couple posts like there's a few albums that really hit me like your album did as far as just like I just want to listen to this all the fucking time. I love the, the 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 heavy grooves. I love the imaginative riffs that you guys throw in there. Um, I love you know Jeremy. You know I know that a lot of drummers do the side stick thing, but the way that that felt in a couple of those tunes it was just like just perfect. You know, just like perfect synchronization and syncopation. And so, Thank you. Um, so I love the music, but I do have a question and. Uh, it's about the the song uh, a witness and I, i'm curious like what if you can tell me the origin story behind that like lyrically and musically who came up with the ideas how did that come together and maybe get into a little bit of what your writing process is like you know, like how do you guys work together well i, I think with that one um we kind of like caught like after a couple a couple songs um, talking to Sean and Jeremy. I'm like, man, I feel like we had a couple where we're kind of working around an A minor area. So it's like I just kind of set off with that opening lick at home, like just playing acoustic. Like I, I want to push into a different key. So that's like an uncomfortable position on the neck to force different things out of like get, push myself out of patterns. And mm-hmm. I uh, I just came up with that, like the opening lick and sent it to Sean and Jeremy. And then like Sean immediately came in with the slam and bass line and, uh, and Jeremy like saying, followed up with the drums. And I feel like every tune, somebody will come up with one or two things. And then we, we sit down and we write the whole, I mean, we really write it all together and hear oh, really? it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's like, nobody like holds grudges or like, this is my part that, you know, I feel like we really talk it out. And then, uh, and then Sean came up with the lyrics with Sean, you got to take over telling the, the story like the, the theme he said is really, really cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not like a true story or anything, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was kind of like trying to um, jump into the shoes of like someone who's in a house 
that uh, they just heard like screams and, you know, obviously they heard something, somebody was getting killed in the, you know, the, the first floor of their house. So they start prepping themselves and like hide under the bed. And it just kind of like, I was just trying to uh, paint the scene from, from their perspective and like scenery and, you know, their through their senses and kind of just describe like, and make it a scary moment that, you know, what it would be like if, you knew there was somebody about to come after you and kill you. Yeah. And that's just kind of the, the premise of that one. Yeah. Like, and didn't you say too, it's that he heard his family getting murdered downstairs and then that person's hiding under the bed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it just explains him like creeping up the stairs and you know how the room looks with the street light shining into the room on the, you know, it, the guy approaching the bed and you can only see his feet and the guy pulling up the sheets and the knife in his hand. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a great tune. And, uh, the, the music actually captures a a lot of that tension, um, of that, of that moment, which I think is, is fantastic. And it kind of reminded me, it had me thinking about like, I don't know if you guys have watched on, uh, I think it's HBO or something. There's a, there was a mini series about the golden state killer. Um, and it, Reminding me of some, there's like, you know, actual people that were talking about the, the, that survived out of the, you know, 50 plus people that he raped or murdered. But it had me thinking of some of those instances. I was curious if that played into that at all, if it was just pure imagination where you're just like, I I mean, I didn't base it off any like thing that I've seen, but I will say that I watch all the murder documentaries. I'm a huge oh, fan and my well it's like one of the few things me and my wife can agree on when it comes to Netflix is murder documentaries. Where's the middle ground? Stone cold murder. That's where they <laughs> Hey hey Mike, I think you're getting that uh that, place to settle you're down. getting that wine dot reception over there, bud. <laughs> oh Wait, yeah, I forgot he does Chris, this. I'm like, where something. do you live at? <laughs> I, mean, I think what I'm doing is screwing him up. <laughs> go, go, go! Fix, go! Fix his cell towers, man. You can't, you can't hear me. <laughs> well, break every, it up. Every once in a while, you'd you'd clip out just a little bit, but it's not hey, I got bad. it on the Wi-Fi too. What the fuck, Chris? Fix my no, stuff. I'm one man. Yeah. I'm yeah, but you're a great go, man, and I want you to fix my stuff. Go, go grab that aerial lift truck, man. <laughs> so, so fans with bands is you know not just about me talking and asking questions; it's about letting the fans ask some questions. So, uh, Zach or Chris, do you guys got any questions you want to ask uh, the distilled tongues? Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, go Zach, ahead. you go first. Okay, I'll jump in. All right, um, so. Typically, when we when we see a new band coming into the mix, uh, you know, usually those sl- songs start to flow in from slowly, right? You get one or two, or you might get a demo or something like that. What what inspired you guys to like really drop the bomb and like give us, you know, give us a, a, a big uh, a big hunk of meat to chew on rather than uh, rather than a couple nibbles straight away? We, Jeremy, you want to? No, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I personally always like a nice chunk of songs to come out. Like I like, like a whole idea. I feel like when you're kind of rapid fire writing your first stuff, it really, 
kind of encapsulates like a period of time. So it's like, I like to do chunks of songs because I feel like it tells more, more, more of a story and it catches more of a feeling. So it's like we had, they had all these songs and we actually, I'm pretty sure we had that conversation in the beginning about whether we were going to just release singles or whether we were going to release albums. And it's, it's always albums for me. <laughs> singles are cool, but like you can't dig into a single the way that you can an album. Like you can listen to it a million times, but it's still one song, you know? I feel like too, like we were all talking about like between singles and, and, and albums. And I think we really stuck with EPs because I think the amount, you know, we can, we can get into that creative zone, get five to seven songs out and then get it out there and just continually have, have content and, and, and states where like when we have, like when we're mixing half of it or when we're in the mixing half with like with one EP, we're writing a new one. And we can keep like a continuous flow of to where we're always producing content in some way, not because we just want to get content out because I think we just enjoy it and uh, we can just keep the writing going. Cause I feel like we're just, yeah, in a, when it flows out, when we, we've got most of a new album written already okay. that we're, we're talking about breaking ground on. I mean, in a few months, I would think, you know, cool. yeah, we got, we got like four songs aside from the album. Uh, you know, we're playing around with like ideas of like, do we write two more or do we record these four and maybe like try and get a full length album out with the songs that are on the EP and it's just like a vinyl release type deal. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to put a, a vinyl out and not fill the thing all the way up, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of money to get all that stuff pressed and, you yeah. know, we're not, we're not trying to, uh, throw our own money into it <laughs> exactly we want all your money fans <laughs> there you go. that's the way it should be <laughs> so we can just reinvest it back and a quick follow-up you know? go ahead zach go ahead. and a quick, a quick follow-up where'd you guys record uh i actually recorded the record uh we recorded it in mike's basement um all the drum tones and everything were real everything sounded really good down there for some reason wow. and uh we we basically like live track drums and bass together no shit really yeah it, it sounds amazing i mean uh sean i mean well the whole thing sounds really awesome um but i really love sean's and jeremy your your tone uh i love that that bass tone i like that the bass i mean it's a three piece so of course you can hear the bass but you've got a really good punchy tight sound and then the, it that's just sean that sound. just sounds just, so awesome and it goes great with the yeah. drums so then you've got you know you're kind of layering on top of that huge foundation with with mike's guitar and so yeah perfect but i was gonna say here's just for reference i mean this is where we recorded the album awesome <laughs> So, I mean, like a small little area and we just made the most with uh, out of what we have and and got the results all out of these interfaces and Jeremy's interfaces. And uh, I mean, I, I'm stoked with what Jeremy did with the album. Man. I think he did a great job. Yeah. It yeah. Sounds, and Jer <laughs> Jeremy's uh, Jeremy's mic collections only been building since then, too. So it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Really though, it was that that's all it was is just putting microphones on the cabs. Like they had the tones. Like Mike basically like played a little bit for me and we like set up some guitar mics in, in that room down mm -hmm. there and we found some sweet spots. And once we found something we liked, he like knocked all those out in like a weekend. 
and like sent them to us and we were just like oh my god dude that tone is so good like i mean i didn't really have to do a whole bunch like all the the whole sauce was there we were we were making spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think too, you know, that like I recorded the last pickaxe preacher album and did all the mixing and everything. And Jeremy and I both have a history in recording. I think he's got a bit more experience than me, but you know, we would talk and listen to each other's recordings and be like, Hey man, I like the way you do this. Mm-hmm. Hey, you like the way I do. And so we just sit there and both collaborate on, you know, from, from, I mean, drums was really his thing, but from bass to vocals and like guitars and, I got a way that I kind of like to do my guitars and we just, we even started talking about influences, man, on guitar solos. And for me, like there's a solo uh, on a John, a John Mayer has, I can't remember what song, um, but the, the guitar solo comes in and the tone sounds like you're sitting in an empty room with nothing but this vintage, you know, blues box guitar and you can hear the room. And him and I talked about, like, we got to figure out how to get that on the solo on the last song on the album, Pray on My Soul. And, and really take the time to like, I want it to feel like the guitar is filling up an entire goddamn room. Yeah. Uh, and you can feel the amp, you can feel the room. And yeah. And really, I mean, with a lot of these tones, we, we changed them and Jeremy changed them for, for the song, you know, like we, t- not just the, the, how we set up the amplifier and the playing, but even like the biking positions and, and what mics we utilized for which parts and which songs too. Yeah. Yeah. And we like, we took our time to get the best sound out of that. Cause I mean, we finished recording it last March, maybe Jeremy, like yeah, cracking. Yeah. It took a long time, but it was like a lot of, a lot of talking things out. Like he said, like, just like, Hey, are, are you happy with this? It's not just like, cause it's, it's all of us putting out this record. Like, what are you going for? Does this convey what you want it to? Does it feel how you want it to yeah. feel? Well, you know? And yeah. And he did a, amazing job on that pickaxe preacher record like when i found out that mike did that in garage band i was like you're kidding no no shit that <laughs> no. that was done in garage band yes sir. yeah <laughs> holy shit i love that fucking album it sounds fucking awesome and i was like thank you well i i figured you guys went to like a real studio with the real well not that you guys aren't real fucking musicians and engineers but you know <laughs> no we're not chuck we just fake <laughs> we're not we just play one on tv <laughs> we someone will be like hey what, what note are you playing i'm like uh it's like it sounds like a day-to-day but it kind of goes way way you know i just go it's like it's like the sixth fret second string i don't know <laughs> and i'm like jeremy i don't know what fret means uh, <laughs> oh man well, you do damn good, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, the, that, it's really cool to understand how you guys put that together. And I think the time spent um, pays off because I, I think the final product really is phenomenal. Really, really great. Um, Thank you. It was great, fun fucking day. <laughs> uh, Chris, yeah. Chris, did you have a question? Um, no, not necessarily. I, I've... I've known, I mean, I know Jeremy very well. I knew Sean and like, you know, Carter and Matson, Orfeo and Mike. I actually didn't know Mike, uh, but um, I, not really the question, but I think it's like really cool that to see like the progress of like, like them, you know, you, when you start playing music, but you know, the one thing like you really think about is how am I going to get signed? How am I going to get huge? You know, like what's going to get me, you know, money blah 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 so then you get to a point where you know you're 
you know, like 30 years old, like us who just don't give a crap, you know, who, <laughs> who does, you know, you guys don't care. So it's just like, you literally write what you want to write and it doesn't matter what happens to it. You guys enjoy, you obviously enjoy what you guys have and are doing and you can definitely hear it. You guys aren't trying to be anything. You're just literally just blah, you know, in a sense, like, you know, you, Sean and Mike, you know, you guys were like, Hey, let's just go for this, you know, type of sound in a way. But, you know, just like what you guys write is very natural. Um, and it sounds freaking awesome. Um, if I ever do have questions, I just ask Jeremy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I guess my, well, no, I, I guess I do have a question like as you know, you guys want to release, release stuff. So what's the goal with the band just to keep continuing writing and jamming? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be nice to get uh, the name out enough to, you know, play bigger shows with, you know, bands that people want to see, you know, you know, uh, open for national acts and, you know, that's all something I think we want to do, you know, uh, I know we all want to get vinyl out into the universe, you know, since it's made its huge comeback and we're all collectors of it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, th I think the goal is just, you know, having as many people hear it as possible. You know, I, we all have good jobs, so it's not like, oh, you know, we got to make money off of this. It's just, I think, yeah, I think just the main goal is to, you know, have fun and ha have as many people hear it and appreciate it as possible. I mean, it's that simple. Nice. Right. Excellent. Uh, just trying to write better songs all the time. There you yeah. go. Nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. it. And I, and I, I mean, I really think that, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a lot of it is just writing stuff that we like and Chris, you nailed it on the head with, I mean, you know, you're a musician, you, you get to a point to where you stop worrying about trying to create something with thoughts of something else in mind, you know, and if, if you're doing it in your thirties, the only thing that matters is that it's something that, that you, you care about and love and you want to create almost like the sound that you want to hear in your head. You're like, man, I love this band and that band. Mm -hmm. How can we create that sound that I would like to hear Just smash stuff, in a fat and effectively do it. And, and do it, you know, with this situation where you're surrounded by people you can rely on and, and that you get along with. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's the end game and like playing good shows, you know, we don't plan on, we don't, I don't think we plan on, on anything, you know, as far <laughs> as that's regarded past just putting out the music, but as I, you know, I think this is the sixth album I've put out and I, and I spent like the first three thinking that like, man, when this comes out, it's going to change my life. And, and you kind of get you kind of get knocked down in the dirt a little bit. And and by the time you come out of it, you realize that I'm just going to do what I want. I don't care what people think. I would love I would love if people do like it. But right. in the end, it's like we're doing this for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that comes through um, a lot with uh, and everybody on here has been in bands and made their music. And and it's it's really about that is being, you know, true to yourself and true to what you want to do. And if uh you know if that truth resonates through and people dig the vibe that's coming off the music then it's it it's gonna go out into the universe and spread right um so very cool um i will i will say i will say that uh you know i've played many different genres of music uh you know with, with bands you know i'm kind of all over the place in what i've been in 
but I will say like with this whole, uh, the cool thing about like the stoner rock genre is uh, it seems just like everybody in this scene is a lot cooler, less clicky, more welcoming, like open to like just wanting to support bands uh, just because yeah. it makes them feel good and they're passionate about it. And yeah, I, f- I feel like in a lot of the other, you know, genre scenes, man, it just everything is super clicky. And it's like, and if you're not in that click, no one wants to help you out. And, and I feel like with this man, when we put this album out, like we released it on Spotify and like YouTube and all that stuff first. And it was like, people weren't really, it was like getting a little bit of pickup, but then I ended up posting it on Bandcamp of all places. And it's just like this, this one guy from like rock freaks, uh, YouTube channel, he's got like 25,000 followers or whatever. I was like, Hey, send me a download code and I'll play you on my channel. <laughs> so he, he ended up playing on this channel. Yeah. And then through that channel, uh, six, 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 Mr. Doom on there. It was like, Hey, send me a download code. I want to put this on my channel. He's got like 180,000 followers. So we got on there and then Weedian was like, Hey, we want to put you on our Facebook and YouTube page. It's like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> we literally have We're- not had to seek anything out yet. It's, uh, we, I mean, it's not, it's getting to a point now to where like, we got to start figuring out, uh, how to put a, a little more content and kind of stay in the mix of things. So we got, uh, you know, a couple ideas brewing that we're, we're probably going to start doing maybe tomorrow. I, I don't know. Me and Mike talk, we haven't talked to Jeremy yet about it, but <laughs> since we got all the recording equipment, maybe, I mean- maybe doing like, uh, you know, our own like professional audio with video to put out on because we haven't launched a YouTube page yet. So we were probably thinking of uh, doing like a good uh, video audio of us playing some live stuff in the basement uh, to kind of put some content out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I I think that kind of speaks to, you know, what I was saying, if you've got something, you know, that people will resonate with and you, you throw it out into the universe um, someone's going to latch on to it, you know, if they like it and the clue and you know, and you're right with, um, I think a lot with, um, stoner rock and, and I hate to use that term because it just feels like it's, um, yeah, I know it's just, I you know, know. Me too. yeah, it's just heavy, it's heavy, heavy rock, heavy you know? rock. Yeah. But it's like a cool <laughs> groove. It has like a seventies roots, you know, I guess yeah. we all understand what the definition is, but anyway, yes, there is a huge amount of, uh, I think camaraderie, um, a lot of support from other bands, particularly in this area. I mean, um, you know, Fuzzfest is an excellent example of that. I mean, sadly, we're not having that right now. Um, but that's a great little festival that does, you know, just love a fuzz rock. And that goes from, you know, really super experimental crap to um, stuff like you or Bonehawk or, you know, any of those cool bands. So um, definitely a definitely a, a family of, of sharing people there. So, Sean, can we tell him? Tell him what? About Bonehawk? <laughs> oh, yeah. He, I mean, he knows, but. Uh, oh, he already knows. I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I know. guess. I, I guess the hope is, is this going to get uh, put on Spotify soon enough to for people to hear about it? It will be. <laughs> it'll, it'll just make it under the wire because I think uh, my plan 
so everybody that listens to Fans with Bands, which is, you know, all 20 of you, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's usually about, well, right now about a month after. But so it'll be, this will be out in July, and you guys are going to be playing with Bonehawk at the new Dodge, right? At, on July 30th. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. yeah, July 30th, uh, Bonehawk, Ladyship, Warship, and Electric Holdra. Awesome. Yeah. And I've seen Electric Holdra a couple times at Fuzzfest. Fantastic band, super cool dudes. Um, another three piece um, doing the uh, yeah. octave bass yep. thing going on there. And uh, Ladyship, Warship. Kristen and, and Easy, they're super awesome. You guys probably are familiar with War Horses as well, and uh, they've been on the show. Um, That's actually how uh, we got Ladyship Warship on, as I contacted War Horses to play the show, and then, <laughs> and then and then Kristen was like, "It's it's way harder to book War Horses than Ladyship Warship just because of." you know, there's more members in the band and it's harder to line things up. Right. So they're like, we're married, so we'll play. We're together <laughs> all the time anyway. I was like, sweet, let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. so and, cool. and, you know, and like real quick too, I think that, um, I think that as much as we fit into the, the stoner rock category, you know, like we put it out and they, and they, they shared us a lot and speaking again to how positive that community is. I'm like, I feel like we hit enough of the the check marks that that like we we work with that. I don't know if it's entirely in that, but they have like what the psych element, yep, doom metal and the stoner rock kind of thing. And it's I think it's like the 70s vibes. I feel like it's all like the the raw and like you know, like more pure rock music that that genre seems to follow. So it's the 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 different styles of bands we see that get shared through Weedian and Mr. Doom. Um it's like like we fall into it, but it seems to be kind of like a loose, kind of loose term. Yeah. Um, with what follows it, because you know, listening to it at first, I'm thinking I don't think we're you know stoner rock so much. It's kind of you know more rock and seventies. Like the I think someone said proto metal. I didn't know what that was till I looked into it. And then, like you showed us Captain Beyond. I'm like, yeah, that, I think that's kind of what we're going for. Right. But it's just people who listen to too much Black Sabbath because that's what we set out for. Like. <laughs> Sean and I are like, what do we want to do? I'm like, well, we really like Black Sabbath, right? And we really like Led Zeppelin, you know, and Pink Floyd. And it's like, how can we kind of modernize some of those things? And it turns out we're not the first or thousandth or millionth person or band to try to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's hard to be. So I think of this a lot. It's really hard to be original um, because you know we're not in 1970 when or 69 when black sabbath was putting out you know black sabbath and um you, you can't help but be influenced by the music that came before i think when bands like you and um you know uh, other local bands that do this you know like bonehawk or um uh, geez i'm blanking out on some of the bands but um they are taking their own spin you guys are taking your spin on what these riffs and things are like putting your own personal genetic code into all that which is going to be i mean everyone's like resonant frequency is going to be just a little bit different than like you know so mike's not quite tony iomi but he's got his own little thing you know geezer and sean have a little thing going on bill and jeremy you know there's synchronicity but there's not and i think that all plays into um creating a really cool sound and you know some people just sound like they're ripping off 
Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and, you know, people love it and that's cool. But I think it's when people take the time to put their own um, life into that music that you get like a different take on it. So anyway, that's my philosophy, philosophy of 101 on music. So there you go. I agree with that completely. I think uh, just don't be uh, Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to name names. But, we kn- yeah. we knew who you were talking about, Chuck. <laughs> I mean, more power to those kids. I mean, hey, they're still good, they still man. sound yeah. great. They sound like, great. Not hate. Sound great. And you know, Kingdom Come <laughs> sounded awesome too. But but it's you know what? Oh yeah, yeah. They so, know what they do. <laughs> they do, and it's cool. Um, you yeah. just try to be authentic. That's it. Everything yeah. that you have will ever do has already been done. You just have to do it authentically. Yes. Black Sabbath wrote it. Already wrote all the cool riffs. Yeah, and <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I li- I like to do um, that's. Uh, participatory across the board is to find out like what was the first album you bought with your own money and uh, let's start with Jeremy oh man first album I ever bought with my own money and that money could have been gifted to you so it could be a birthday gift but somebody gave you some cash and you went out to the store and bought it this is this is really stereotypical (laughs) but Pearl Jam 10 all right that's a great. That's album. way less. That's way less embarrassing than what I'm going to tell you. Keep going, Jeremy. <laughs> what else? <laughs> I mean, that's all I remember is my dad gave me a bunch of CDs when I was a kid uh, that he was basically burnt out on, and it was Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Um. Then with birthday money, I got Pearl Jam and Nirvana Unplugged. Oh, nice. Those are good. Those are good albums. Solid. I, I, love I, I still love 10. Um, yeah. But there, there's so many good songs on that record. Yeah. I have no idea what he says half of the record. Well, but I love yeah. <laughs> Especially Yellow Lead Better, man. Yeah. I don't know if I know one thing that he's talking about that whole song. Yeah. I feel it. <laughs> uh, Mike, how about you? Um. So... I mean, like I had like albums that were like gifted and, you know, like, well, you know, CDs that time and tapes and stuff. But I think the first one was uh, a band I was obsessed with. And I know Jeremy was, too. And um, like, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade kind of era era. And I I got a paper out because I knew Thrice had an album coming out, The Illusion of Safety. And the day came out was the last day of school. So I, I got out of school and I rode my bike like five miles to Slick Disc with my walking Walkman CD player and rode that five mile ride home, um, just listening to Illusion of Safety and just sat there playing my guitar till I could play that whole album and then the next Thrice album, and it you know it kind of took me out of you know the the earlier middle school stuff was like kind of the pop punk and really getting into guitar. And it, it, you know, it started with Ozzy and pop punk, which is really weird. <laughs> um, but I think Thrice was the first band that I got into that really started was getting into like more like screaming vocals at the time. There was catch, catchiness, like a lot of and create like creative guitar playing yeah. that was kind of out of the thinking. And um, just like the the originality of it, I really really dug. And so yeah, I rode my bike, got that. <laughs> 
to it until I wore through the CD <laughs> and, you know, had to buy it again. <laughs> and that was, that was the first one for me. Awesome. Uh, Sean. Oh man. <laughs> uh, Come on out with it. Bring it out. All right. It's embarrassing, but, uh, <clears throat> This was way before ninth grade, okay? <laughs> uh, I was probably in like fifth grade and I probably used my birthday money. But <clears throat> the first CDs, I bought two. Uh, and it was when I first got one of them portable CD players. So, oh, you know, yeah. would skip every time you move your leg when you're riding your bike. Uh was Americana Offspring and the embarrassing one because I was a huge fan in uh, probably like middle school was Creed, My Own Prison. Yes. <laughs> yes. My dad bumped that right so hard. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so, Sean, I can probably one-up you on that one. I actually went to see Creed. Um, I seen him when I was 14. <laughs> with, was, uh, it, that Pontiac? It was, it was with um, Our Lady Peace yep. and a band called Oleander. Oh, 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 Oleander. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I was 14 years old, and that was my first concert. <laughs> <laughs> very nice and then and then my second my second concert was alkaline trio yeah oh, cool. that was a yeah well yeah it was also uh one of my i started playing shows out when i was 14 i started a band when i was six months into playing guitar and our first show was at the uh <clears throat> it was the high school band fest in the gymnasium like after hours of school and uh, we ended up covering uh, radio at that one. I had to, ke- I had to keep it si- simple, man. I was only six months into playing guitar. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Zach, how about you? What was your first album? So uh, my first album was uh, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Right. Nice. So uh, my, big, my big three were uh, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Uh, White Snake because everybody loved Tati Katan, yeah, and uh, 1984, right? Like those were All right. My, those were my big three that my parents didn't understand why I liked them. You know, <laughs> those for sure were were uh, were my jams. And uh, since we're on it, my first concert was um, Danzig, White Zombie, and Holy Marilyn Manson God. at Harpo's. What uh, the hell? Fake ID. That's amazing. I had a fake ID cool. that said I was 18 so I could get in there. And Holy literally shit. the first thing when you walk in there, Manson breaks a bottle on the monitor and starts raking it across his chest, blood pouring down. I'm like, my goodness, I think I'm in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh seen, I seen Danzig's I- last show here and uh I don't know if I recommend going to see Danzig anymore, man. Yeah, some bands age well and some don't. But. Yeah, that's one of them that don't age well. <laughs> uh, Chris, how about you, man? Um, 
Uh, Eiffel 65 Euro Pop. Whoa. Wow. Yep. Uh, I was 10, 11. It was, it was birthday money for sure. And I, yeah, I went to Kmart and that was the first CD I bought. So you had the, you know, Blue Davide song and Jeremy knows, Jeremy jammed that album too. Uh, (laughs) Dude, kick ass. I'm telling you at the time, even now, like, I know all the lyrics. I'm terrible for lyrics. Uh, I know the lyrics, but as far as like rock band, I think it was a Limp Bizkit album. I, it was probably $3 bill or uh, uh, was it significant? Oh, man, three, three, $3 bill yeah, is classic. Yeah, but th- th- yeah, so that was it. Uh, speaking of first yeah. concert, my first concert was CCR. Nice. nice. Wow. Yeah. Where at? Yeah. Where was that at? Uh, it was at the Palace. Really? Holy shit. Wow. Yep. Damn yep. Fogarty. Holy crap. It's great. There's no yeah. way Fogarty yeah. was there, was he? <laughs> was Fogarty there? And what's funny Not is a, I didn't answer. So like when I started, when I went to that concert, so Jeremy and I were huge into skateboarding. So a lot of the skateboard uh, videos we watch, some of these skaters use CCR songs. So like when I went and uh, saw them live, uh, you know, they'd be playing a beginning of a song. Like, oh my God, that's on, you know, whatever skateboard video. And my dad's like, what? You know, and whatever. That's awesome. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. so, we, so we need to circle back uh, to Jeremy and Mike. So Jeremy, what was your first concert? Bob Seger at the Silverdome. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. man. That's, that's a good awesome. one. That's a wow. good one. Wow. That's <laughs> blew my mind. I also yeah. think that's like the first time I've seen both my parents hammered. <laughs> so did you drive or what yeah no no i couldn't reach the pedals yet uh, bro you're driving at four don't even play you said i got it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> mike how about uh, you what was the first concert um in eighth grade a guy who uh uh like a neighbor that I happened to meet on the first day I bought an electric guitar, which is like one of the most important relationships I've ever had in my life. But um, eighth grade, you know, he got me into Ozzy and was steering out of like, you know, don't don't listen to this stuff that you like. Here's the stuff that you need to understand. <laughs> then Ozzy came out with the Osmosis album and announced the Merry Mayhem tour. Um, so my neighbor, took me, I think I was in seventh grade and it was uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, and Soil. Wow. And uh, Mudvayne was, had just put out LD50, and uh, the lead singer came out wearing a, a deer costume, but it was like roadkill. <laughs> so there was blood hanging out of it, and there was red paint all over his face, like blood all over the place. <laughs> and the player just like shaved his head and just painted it silver and blue, had the context as the bass. And I'm like, I remember I'm looking, I'm like, I want to hang out with these weird <laughs> freaks. I like the shit that I. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Ozzy's been my great guitar players. Zach is my least favorite, but he's still a goddamn maniac. And and being a kid who's playing guitar, watching play up front, yeah, it was <laughs> for you know an hour and a half and hearing the classics and you know, yeah. Well, great show. And I think back then Zach wasn't quite as the uh 
the harmonic squealer as he is now. So. Like he was playing great train instead of like do do do. It was doing a wow wow and I'm like, come on, just play the fucking main part of the song. Normal. I know you know how to do that. You got to put effort into that. All right. Well, well, since you all are actual musicians that play in bands, I'm curious. Like, what was in inspirational person or uh, and this can be you know not famous or, or famous but somebody that got you into wanting to play music and and develop your skills in that in that genre so uh let's start with mike was there a musician or a person that said that really got you influenced and made you want to become a guitar player and well I, um like is it that kind of and you know, and I think yeah, you check marks. We have like regimes. Hey, Mike. Mike, no one can hear you, man. Yeah, you're, you're cutting out a little bit. Really. You don't want to tell anybody. You're cutting out. Yep. Bad. Whoa. Let's go. With, off my... Let's go with somebody else for a minute. <laughs> wait, wait. Try me now. You got your yeah. You get your video off. Try it now, man. Go for it. My video. We're gonna have to yep. reconnect the Wi-Fi. Bad, Okay. Um, well, no, I, I think that um, they're like being a musician is a journey that. Oh. And, through, and throughout that process. Through, <laughs> oh, no. oh, now you've really gone off. <laughs> what? Gone? Yeah. Time to now reinstall you've, Windows. You've gone. Yeah. <laughs> you've gone. <laughs> you, you went south there, buddy. <laughs> what about now? All right. You sound good. Turn the turn the video off, though. And then that way, I think it'll it'll be better. Okay. There you All go. right. So here I am. There you go. Um, no. So I think that like being a musician is a journey that you take from the moment you start till the end of your life that really never ends. And throughout those years, you go through regime changes of of guitar players or scenes and music and influences that continue to cause you to grow. So it's like it's hard to pick a a musician or something like that but i will say like i kind of alluded to earlier my neighbor that the first day i bought an electric guitar with paper out money um plugged in a guitar this guy walks down the road walks up says like oh you know we got a rocker here lives five doors down from me and i spent the you know from being 10 years old to 18 every day after school i'd go to his house he he just would trade up guitars and show me i mean thousands of guitars i played uh... musicians yeah. What? Oh, thank you very much. All righty. Adam? Yep. All right. Have a good one. Hope you got me some cheese bread. Oh, you're selfish, Sean. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but... my, 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 my wife, <laughs> my wife uh, surprisingly ordered pizza. I didn't know it was coming. I had to get it, I guess. Um, <laughs> awesome. He's got a but... DoorDash to do. He's out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know anyway so this guy chuck DiCarlo, who i still talk to you know uh, on, on a you know semi-regular basis but he kind of showed me the ropes taught me how to read guitar tablature taught me like where the good music was the era of guitar players um you know and kind of like the basics until it kind of hit the point where the the, the student became the master and it, and it flipped 
And now he can like, we communicate in a different way where he's asking me stuff about tone and things. But I think the most impactful relationship as a musician was meeting him. If I never would have done it, I probably would have bought a guitar. It would have sat in my room until it collected dust and my dad sold it, you know, out <laughs> under my, uh, so awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chuck sounds like an awesome guy. He's got a cool name too. So boom. You'd, you'd like him. <laughs> uh, Sean, how about you? Uh, it wasn't anybody like musician wise that got me into wanting to play guitar particularly, but, uh, the story, how I came to play guitar was I have an older brother who's four years older than me and him and my cousin, uh, my cousin's mom had just started dating this guy who was a guitar player and, um, gave lessons. So those two started going and getting guitar lessons with that guy. So my dad went and bought my brother an acoustic guitar and uh my brother probably went to the lessons for like a month and was just done with it <laughs> so <clears throat> probably like five years down the road uh i was like hey you you took guitar lessons before i was like you still have a guitar he's like yeah it's buried in my closet <laughs> i was like can i see it He's like, yeah, go ahead and find it if you want. And uh, I was like, do you remember anything that was taught to you? He's like, I remember uh, Kumbaya. <laughs> so he taught me Kumbaya on the guitar. And um, so I just started like switching between the Kumbaya chords, which I, I don't know if I could still play that. Uh, tear up a campfire. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the uh the three or four chords involved in Kumbaya, but uh <laughs> I took those four chords after I got good switching between them and uh I wrote my first song um with the the chords from Kumbaya and <laughs> and then I was addicted, man. Awesome. <laughs> and I and I had and then you know later on I had a bunch of buddies you know who played and were better than me and that kind of inspired me you know to to get better you know yeah. it's always i've always kind of been lucky and had uh been surrounded by friends that can inspire me to get better and you know cool. so i guess it's more so just by my musician's friend that i had been inspired by awesome awesome man uh jeremy how about you I, uh, I mean, I got a lot of people that I feel like inspire me now, but if I was to pick like a person that like started it out, I would say it was this kid that I went to high school with Zach Zolkowski. We were uh, in our first band together too. Um, we actually wrote the whole first um, living like ghost record together. And he was such a good technical <clears throat> guitar player that every time I played with him, I got better. Like I had to learn to get to his level, to be able to like play the same songs as him. So yeah. it's like when we were younger, you know, we we would basically go to school. And as soon as we'd get home, we'd like sit and just practice guitar like all day. <laughs> like, And he made me a tighter player, he made me more aware of like certain things that I had never paid attention to. Like, oh, like I see that you're muting that with this or like you're muting these strings with this finger while you're playing these ones. OK, like and just like so articulate with with his picking that I just had to like step my game up. Like, I was like, damn, I need to get better. Awesome. Awesome, man. That's cool. Uh, Zach, how about you, man? What got you uh, playing music? 
Well, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of guys I went to high school with, they were, they were big into bands, big into music. I, I didn't have the skills to, uh, to play an instrument. So I spent a lot of, you know, uh, my interest is in writing and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, coming up with song flow and things like that. So, um, you know, the, the, really the three main guys I would say that really uh, helped me to tap into the energy were the guys from hate ball. So it's a local oh. band from uh, down river. You got uh, Craig Rubel and Ryan Gursky and George Samenauer, great dudes who, who really brought the uh, you know, that stoner rock energy and uh, you know, uh, just in, and you know, as a more uh, uh, popular music view, like, I love clutch. I love the storytelling, you know, the, the, uh, you know, let's sit down by the fire and spin a yarn to some power chords, you know, that kind (laughs) of vibe, right? Like that's, that's really the energy that, that I love and, 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 and love being a part of. And that's one of the things I love about distilled tongues, right? They, you know, it's, we need more of that. We need more of that rock energy, right? We need more of that fire, you know? Uh, yeah. you know, I, I love the, I love the, the rockability and the, all of that, that vibe, but you know, I'm a rock guy at heart. I'm a, I'm a high energy guy at heart. And, and I, and I love the sound of the distilled tongues and, and, and the work that they're bringing for sure. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Zach. Uh, Chris. You guys can hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. No, I'm driving in my car. Uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be doing this while driving, but that's okay. Just um, keep your eyes on the road I, and answer so the question. Thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so I thought the question was like a professional musician. So it can be either. You want to talk yeah. about like it can be either. Okay, I'll give it to you. So um, I'm going to say Jeremy uh, because Jeremy and I we met at a time where um, Jeremy's a couple years older than me, so. Um, he was actually friends with my brother first. And I think the reason why they hung out was they were the same age and they liked, I don't know, Limp Bizkit and, you know, like Linkin Park and all those other bands. But uh, Jeremy was more ex- exploring like underground bands, you know. So like I became friends with Jeremy at the time where he was buying CDs and, he, you know, he was playing guitar and I was starting to play guitar. So him and I, like he, Jeremy got me into listening to whole records. I used to listen to the radio nonstop. And he was like, why don't you go buy a record? Bumpy, you know, this is this album. I'm like, ooh, you know. <laughs> so um, Jer- I would say without Jeremy, like, in my life, I music, I wouldn't even probably be where I'm at today. Because I play six instruments. So I, I went to school playing saxophone. My dad was a drummer, but I never got to see him play. Um, but... You know, as far as musicianship goes, Jeremy, hundred percent. Awesome. Um, without him, I wouldn't have no. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten this far, or gotten really into music like I am today. Um, as far as a professional musician, Travis Barker, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Um, he, uh, I was really into Blink One Eight Two, um, and Blink was, you know, uh, Travis was like the first drummer that was in that type of spotlight where he was so popular to where like my parents knew the hell he was. <laughs> and his drumming his drumming for being in that band is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh and you know, another three piece band and uh he was uh 
I remember my dad buying me like this five piece drum set. You know, my dad grew up in a time where drums, you know, it was a 10 piece set with 10 cymbals. <laughs> and um, when I told him that I wanted to go down to a four piece and, you know, one high time, he's like, why the fuck are you doing that? You know, so <laughs> I would show him Travis, you know, I'd show him Travis Barker and he thought he was trash. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's kind of like, okay. But uh, yeah, those are my two for sure. So. Awesome. That's great, man. That's fantastic. And can can you can you still hear me? Am I visible again? Or? Yeah, we can you're hear good, you. Bud. And you're visible, buddy. Well, and and just like an honorable mention thing, you know, I know I mentioned Chuck earlier, but uh like here here in Wyandotte growing up and you know, getting into like more of the shredders and stuff. And I, I went to a a coffee shop in Wyandotte that I'd make my dad drive me to in ninth grade and eighth grade to see bands and uh and we, we showed up one time to see Capture the Flag. And uh, Jeff Tuttle yes. was the guitar player at the time. And I think that was probably the first local musician I saw in, like with my own eyes that was like, holy hell, like, <laughs> what is this guy doing? He's like hitting his headstock off his head. He's like <laughs> jumping people. And I'm like, he's doing it on purpose. He's going to get hurt, you know, like I'm a kid. And, uh, and that was like kind of like where it struck a chord where I'm like, this real man like this is the guy who you know i saw him and then like a week later at my parents house as a kid he delivered a pizza because he worked for hungry howie's <laughs> you know and then it's like three years later he ended up joining uh dillinger escape plan and was the guitar player for them for eight, eight years yeah so it's kind of like i feel like following his timeline and seeing him there and being like this is real and then finding out like dude the pizza guy is in, <laughs> in dillinger <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna be the guitar player in fucking Black Sabbath, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> by, by the time I hit eleventh grade, it's easy, you know? And uh, yeah, but it's like just like the realness factor set in watching Tuttle yeah. play, and I still, I still to this day, I got like this kind of like pseudo like thing where I, like, I just try to like see him and talk. I'm like, this guy has no idea. I am. He doesn't, you know? <laughs> but Mike, like, Mike, crazy, crazy thing to add on to that since you talked about capture the flag. I don't know if you remember me talking about Alkaline Trio being my uh, second show I've ever seen. They actually opened that show. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> Fucking Jeff. It's the circle of Jeff, man. <laughs> yeah, that guy, He, um, I don't think he knows who I am either, but uh, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Because wasn't he in Old Gods? Yes. Yeah. And Fuck. Heads Will Roll. Oh, my God. Yep. I saw Old yep. Gods at... Um, what was that cider place? Oh. Um, they were they were playing with uh, Child Bite. Oh crap! Uh, Sellermans. Um, did you ever? Did you guys ever been to Sellermans? But they're closed now. But mm -mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And holy crap, he had blood all over his face, and just uh, wow. Yeah, and he's in Good Shock Narcotic, right? With uh, with Sean Knight from Child Bite. So yes, boom, boom. We've we've done six degrees of Tuttle. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and we're and we're totally not done talking about that guy i'm gonna bring it back up <laughs> well, well guys it's been awesome talking with you i so appreciate you being on the show um i've got just one last question you've probably heard it if you listen to the show it's super controversial here it is pineapple or no pineapple on pizza jeremy pineapple all day Oh wow! All right, Mike, how about you? Not only do I am I into the pineapple, but I made my own pineapple hot 
sauce specifically for pizza. So if <laughs> someone orders a pizza that doesn't have pineapple, I can put my pineapple hot sauce. No shit. He kills oh. the hot sauce game, man. Oh, holy crap. That's, <laughs> that's definitely up the ante because people are like either really into and really out, but now you've taken to a new level. tongues is the perfect name for a hot sauce for crying out loud. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, fuck yeah. So, Sean, how about you? Uh, I probably have some on my pizza that arrived during this interview right now. <laughs> oh man, awesome, uh, Zach! Absolutely not. I want my I want, <laughs> I want salt on my pizza, not sweet. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you, uh, Chris. Hundred percent pineapple, baby. Wow! Oh my god, pineapple. So here's a question for the pineapple lovers: Do you put jalapeno with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally have a pineapple jalapeno pizza in my fridge right now. Holy shit! Wow. Literally. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, so it, and if it says anything about distilled tongues, because all of us voted yes, not only are we tropical, but we're also a little fruity too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Well, guys, uh, thanks again for being on here. Thanks for your music. Uh, can't wait to see you live at the new Dodge. And, um, you know, we should just get together and drink beer sometime. So. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And if you need someone to open, <laughs> yeah, call the dotted eyes, baby. We're ready. We're there you go. Play with some stoner rock bands for once in our lives. Awesome. <laughs> you got it, bud. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, Chuck, all I'm saying is, man, it's it's only uh, 814 and I'm off tomorrow. So <laughs> I got a bunch of dank IPAs and, you know. Damn it, dude. I got to work in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too, man. All right. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right, guys. Great to see you. And thanks Best of luck, guys. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks right. for having us. Thanks. Yep. Thanks to Sean, Jeremy, Mike, Zach, and Chris for joining me in this episode of Fans with Bands. Get over to the Distilled Tongues Bandcamp page and buy their music. You'll be so glad you did. And catch them live on Friday, July 30th at the New Dodge in Hamtramck with Bonehawk. See the show notes for links. These are tough times for everyone in the creative industries such as music. Your support of live streaming, purchasing music, and merchandise is critical. If you can help out your local artists, please do. If you are in the Michigan area, consider following the Playing in the Detroit Area Tonight Facebook page. It is a place for fans and bands to support each other and share our combined love of music. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get each and every episode of Fans of Bands. Spread the word by rating the show and leaving a comment. We want to hear what you think. You can keep in touch by following us on social media. This is a Life in Michigan production. Until next time, be well and kick out the jams. <laughs>